0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old-fashioned chat. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with SATE Corporate Training. Thank you to Craig Hess and his team for their ongoing support of the Collisions YYC podcast. Leadership, a term that conjures up everything from images of the hard-charging Hollywood portrayal to the introverted quiet CEO who emerges from their office with a magical path forward for the organization. No matter what comes to mind for you, I guarantee you'll be different than it was pre-pandemic. After the past 18 months, the demand on leaders at all levels of the organization has changed. No longer can you rely on technical expertise alone. People on your team need you to be more human, and more importantly, human in a way that matters to them. Through my interviews with the team at SAIT, I was introduced to a more balanced approach to leadership, one that was truly a game changer for me and my perspective around what it is to be a successful leader. They call it the six leadership intelligences. Adaptability, emotional, collaborative, social, psychological, and digital intelligences. At first blush, aside from a couple, you may be asking yourself, wait a minute, what do these have to do with leadership? I'm here to tell you everything. We live in a world with a rapidly changing landscape that requires the need for human connection that has never been more important. How can you manage change if you are unable to create deep, safe, and meaningful connections with people around you? Simply put, you can't. Whether it's an entire organization, a division, a field office, or a small team. If you're not equipped with the intelligence you need, all the smarts in the world won't bring a group of people together to make the opportunities and challenges facing your organizations today. Sage is here to help you and your teams together a package to put the skills in place for a safe, inclusive, and high-performing culture. To find out more about what they can do for you and your organization, please check them out at state.ca slash corporate training. Or better yet, open up your email and contact Craig Hess directly, Craig.hess at state.ca. That's H E S S. He would love to chat with you and walk you through your needs and how they can put together a solution for you and your team. Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to the team over at Sleep Culture. How are you? Good morning, ladies. How are you?
1: Good morning. Good morning.
0: Uh, this Okay, I have to be honest. You guys are my first. I've, I've never had three grass on at one time, so I'm excited. I think we can get... I'm confident we can get through it, but you guys are my first. Uh, triple header, or I don't know what the right term is here. Threesome is definitely not the right term. I'm not going to use that term. Uh, Brandy, <laughs> Leah, and Marley. So you ladies are starting, you started a new business focused on sleep, which is an interesting thing, something we all have access to. So how do you start a business around sleep? Shouldn't it be free? Can I just go have a nap? Isn't that how it works? But anyway, sorry, I'm going off on a tangent here. Maybe whoever wants to take the mic and let us just give us a little bit. We're in the elevator. You've got 17 floors to tell us what sleep culture is all about. And then we can kind of pick it up from there.
1: Yeah, but for I'm sure. Cool, so. Brandy. <laughs> yeah,
0: Brandy's thanks. nominated. Okay, Brandy, thanks. tell us about Sleep Culture.
2: I got nominated. Perfect. I love it. Um, yeah, so, so Sleep Culture is owned and operated by actually four women. So founded, founded and operated by four women. So there is a, a fourth partner, um, Alexia Tedesco, that's not here today. But both Alexia and myself are on the business side. And then Leah and Marley are on the clinical side. So we actually started Sleep Culture during covid Um, during the pandemic so it really was um, a side hustle for all of us and what was amazing or i guess one of the positives for us that came out of covid was that we started to see this need grow and grow and grow around sleep Um, i think with everybody struggling with sleep and just the stress levels and such and our our side hustle ended up becoming pretty much our our full time and and the other piece on the covid side that really helped is that we we took and we looked and, and saw all of these people struggling especially on the corporate side And then that's really where the business evolved was on the corporate side. And so that focus there was, you know, so we saw all these people struggling and and we knew that we didn't want to be a one on one sleep therapist or we didn't knew we didn't want to be a sleep clinic. Those those arenas are really well established
0: But you guys identified, like, I always love to go back to what's the core problem? And sleep is an interesting topic because I think it's something over the years has meant different things in our society. And you read back, I think it was even, was it Thomas Edison way back in the day wanted to like outlaw that only like the US was, people were only allowed to sleep a certain amount of hours because he felt it could drive so much more productivity if you could bolt an extra Mm -hmm. hour on. Like there's some crazy things about sleep that I've read over the years. So you guys, I clearly identified a problem around sleep. So can you maybe, you know, you guys I know are experts in this area, when you, talk about the core issue, and this is bringing it back to personal, we'll bring it back to the impact on us at business, but as individuals, kind of what's going on in sleep these days that, that that's kind of messing us all up. Maybe, is that a way to say it? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a a good question. I think, you know, from, from a, just a a general um, perspective, sleep hasn't been valued really. So, you know, it's a whole third of our day. We use it as a dispensable time, you know, we have other things to do, it hasn't really been valued. Since the pandemic um, with increased stress and, you know, change in work and schedules and all those things, the sleep problems that we were all kind of coping with, kind of just keeping it under the radar, I think were really exacerbated by the, the pandemic. I mean, even the 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 term Corona-somnia was coined during the p- pandemic because- I had, not, I
0: had were- not heard that. But yeah, you add, yeah. add more stress <laughs> to an already not a good night's sleep. It doesn't make it better, right?
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So when, when you yeah, think about- really- So go ahead. Sorry
2: well well that's really where our business evolved right we were seeing these organizations and we we're seeing these leaders and and that's where we pivoted the business and really created a corporate sleep program which was very new and a little bit of a a shift for people well how does sleep how do we integrate sleep within our corporations and and why should we and isn't that on the employees time and isn't that their responsibility and their job um, and and really then I think when the mental health, Um, component really came to the forefront for these leaders. It became about how do I help my people? How do I support them? And they were looking for something new within their toolbox, that how do I help mitigate some of this stress? How do I help support them through this, this time that was so crazy for all of us that really impacted our lives in so many different areas. You know that those lines between work and home, as we're all working from home and homeschooling, there, there, there and, were no and, more
0: lines between work and there home. Were like, no that's more the reality. Lines. Let, let alone you know working on you know sitting on your bed with your laptop working, which is a whole other thing. So let's mm-hmm. I want to stick on the thread of sleep for a bit because yeah, I like what you talked about, Brandy, and I you know being a being a pilot in years gone past and knowing people in that space. Those are industries that I think have done a lot of investment because there's a clear correlation to like a tired pilot is not a good pilot. A tired train conductor is a dangerous train conductor, those types of things. But corporate is a bit different um, because it's easy to see someone at their desk kind of being exhausted. They don't have, they don't have 50 souls behind them in a plane or a train. So I was, well, let's park that for a second. But you talk about sleep problems. Like, what are we talking about here? Is it rest? Is it not getting enough? That's easy. I think we all, oh, geez, I could use more sleep, but is it also the quality of your sleep? Like what's actually happening to your body when you're quote unquote lying there, but not, not sleeping versus a deep sleep. I uh, really let's, let's, let's break out the problem a little bit more so we can all because I think we can all relate at one time or another in our lives.
1: Absolutely, it's a quality and quantity issue um, because okay. it's, it's a prioritization issue. So, you know, qu- quantity of sleep—we're certainly getting less than the recommended seven to nine hours. Um, you know, especially- is,
0: is that the number? Is that and is that a universal truth? Because I know there's people like we'll talk about the Superman and Superwoman in a bit, but <laughs> I, I have seven hours—I don't need. I have four hours. I'm good. And there's kind of I have some friends that kind of moniker themselves as like, well, yeah, but I'm different than that. Is that just not true, or is it individual?
1: It's 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 not true.
0: <laughs> okay, no, let's be blunt. Let's call a spade a spade here. <laughs> so to,
1: to be like completely scientific, there is a small, small percentage, less than, than I think it's like less than 0.1% of people that okay. do have a genetic mutation that allow them to um, function completely optimally on about six and a half hours. And that would be the lower end of the short sleepers. The majority of people will fall between seven to nine hours, and it yeah. is individual within that range. So it depends on things like your overall health, how physical, um, how much physical exertion are you going through throughout the day. Um, all those things can actually impact your sleep need. But for like most people, <laughs> um, it is that seven to nine hours. And the people that think, you know, I only need four hours of sleep, I'm the exception. They're not. They're just not usually, you know, it's really hard to judge how how impaired you are when you're impaired. So um, they usually can't tell yeah. that they are working, you know, less productive or that they are working at a, a level of impairment. And and it's no
3: different, you know, it's no different than we compare it to. Being intoxicated in alcohol for that very reason, because it does impair you in that same way. Where you know when the drunk guy's going, I can drive; it's no big deal. <laughs> no,
0: that's exactly uh, the thought it, I was picturing in my mind know, when I you can said the word work.
3: I can function; uh, it's no big deal. I've been doing it for a long time, so that when when that feeling becomes your norm, then you're no longer able to judge it and say I am actually impaired. Like I could be functioning better because when you you do that for a prolonged period of time, you're just not seeing that anymore.
0: So you really like yeah. You, 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 you normalize being suboptimal <laughs> to, 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 right. be, to be blunt. And
1: exactly. it's you said,
0: doing it for a long period of time, is that also accumulation, like is sleep debt? I've heard that term used before. You know, like yeah. I had a bad night's sleep. I'll catch up tomorrow or I had a whole bad week. I'm going to sleep all weekend. Does that work that way? Like what, what is the bank of sleep that you take from and give back to mm-hmm.
1: Great question. So sleep debt is cumulative and there's a great study to show um, the impairment level. So 24 hours without sleep puts you at the same impairment level as someone with a 0.1% blood alcohol content. So, so that not would be a 0.08 overly-
0: which is driving or 0.05, But above so
1: that. <laughs> which yeah. is
0: one, one is are you're, you're putting so. you're putting up some good n- some numbers. You've been you've, you've been you've been putting in a shift.
1: <laughs> That's right. And then the the study was expanded to just short-term sleep loss. So what does six hours of sleep do to you over two weeks? And it was the same impairment level as if you had oh, stayed wow. awake for 24 hours. Wow. And I mean, when you think about people working, you know, every day, they're getting up six hours of sleep. is pretty common.
0: It, yep. t- totally. And Especially it's, it's, the it's, it's weekend warriors. Get, yeah. Well, it, yeah, back to the whole, I, my, we create this, I worked really hard this week, so this time is owed to me and I'm going to get it. I'm going to have that fun. I'm going to go like, you know, grab every minute of fun out of the day and sleep is m- majority of the time is what what gets what the trade-off is, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. We hear all the time, you know, power through the week and I'll catch up this weekend. Well, we always say there's nothing powerful about getting through your week on no sleep, but <laughs> you also don't usually catch up on the weekend. So even if it was just a simple math equation of, Your body biologically needs will average eight hours, but you're only giving your body six hours per night, just Monday to Friday. By Friday, you've accumulated a 10-hour sleep debt. Even if you sleep in on Saturday and Sunday, you're not catching up by 10 hours. So even if you're trying to do that, you're never actually... Catching up.
0: <laughs> so, not even taking it this, not to be dramatic, but this is where we really see long term negative health implications. I know Absolutely. weight gain, stress, cortisol levels, there's tons of, back to you, exactly. say like where your base level of fitness is, like literally what I'm hearing, and I believe this, that sleep is the foundation for everything builds from there, not the other way around, right? <laughs> yeah. Fugot.
1: Yep. Sleep is the foundation of our health. We often talk about it as a, being a pillar with diet and exercise, but you can't diet and exercise optimally without the foundation of sleep it's just impossible to do it sustainably and and most effectively right so even you know trying to stay on a diet when you're sleep deprived your body will physiologically crave sugar and car- carbohydrates and your metabolism slows and your judgment's a little impaired so trying to stay on a strict diet or a diet at all a healthy lifestyle is nearly impossible if you're if you're sleep deprived well you you're swimming. About, you're yeah. swimming against the current in yeah. that situation
0: because your body, again, our bodies, the reason we thrived as a species, because our bodies will adapt to all the different things we throw it into and you deprive the body, it's going to crave sugar because it wants glucose. So the brain can function because it's feeling in a fog and all those things yep. that have allowed us to not basically wipe ourselves out by all of our bad choices. Basically, if you think about how resilient the body is, I'm curious, because we're going to shift into culture a little bit because this I think so much of this is cultural and like, you know, there's like I mentioned to Thomas Edison, you know, he would stay up for hours and hours and hours to try to be more creative and pack more value into the day. So clearly this is something that's been baked in. Is there other cultures around the world where sleep is more, uh, is more the hero versus not, I don't want to say the villain, but it's, it's treated as this like an annoyance. I know what North America is. I don't know the rest of the world when it comes to sleep, or is this more of a global phenomenon?
1: it's becoming more of a global phenomenon um, because it seems like other countries are seeming to adapt to our mentality rather than us Mm -hmm. correcting to theirs.
0: (laughs) We're giving them them McDonald's and poor sleep quality. What a, what a terrible thing to do.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So Europe, Europe had, um, you know, have a much better um, emphasis and prioritization of sleep. And, uh, you know, we've seen more of their afternoon siestas and things like that disappearing to more Mm -hmm. kind of, look more like what we do which is yeah. you know we're not exactly the the best sleepers in the world so <laughs>
3: yeah really, so, so really it is ingrained. actually moving in
0: yeah so, sorry leah go ahead mm.
1: yeah just
3: those really ingrained like cultural um things like marley said like siestas you know it used to be common practice for businesses to just shut down for a few hours in the afternoon and you know even like we traveled to Greece a few years ago and You know, everyone was saying like, you know, half half of the people are still doing it, but a lot of them aren't because the demand of, you know, all the tourists is that they be open all hours. So they've sort of eradicated that from their businesses. So it is pervasive that North American, you know, that, you know, 24 seven sort of society situation that we have put ourselves in
1: is now spreading as a result. And the science shows it's backwards. So there was a study done when when Greece started to drop that siesta, um, cardiovascular disease went up by like 800 <laughs> percent. Wow. So, there, you know, there's clear, very like linking evidence that that sleep is so important and being well rested to our overall health. And we all know that, but we are not acting how the science is. Um, presenting,
0: <laughs> which I think there's, a, the, we're just picking on sleep. There's a myriad of, of things that we, <laughs> yeah. well, we kind of know that an apple's better for us than yeah. a bag of chips, but yet we make these choices and pretend we don't know <laughs> how to eat better. We all kind of know, anyways. I don't want to minimize yeah. it because there's all kinds of complexities around this. So anyway, so culturally, we're kind of going. So curious from your guys' perspective, getting back a little bit now. Uh, I guess at the individual, and then because it's still, it all starts with the, the individual. Are you guys getting? is there an openness to like, okay, wow, I'm willing to try something different because I'm kind of not happy with the results that I'm getting. Because ultimately, if you're like, I'm not losing the weight I want, I don't have the energy, I quote unquote feel shitty. Um, wow, maybe, maybe, just maybe, I might start checking out sleep. Like, is there, are we starting to trend in that direction as we're becoming maybe more aware and you know, again, we all have access to more information with the internet to, mm-hmm. if, if you want to learn about what, a better way to do something, it's out there and there's an opinion on it. And sleep has been a, f- a phenomenon that I think has been getting a lot more media coverage in the last kind of five, eight years, maybe five. It's true. So yeah. are we, are, are people, uh, are we on a cusp of a revolution of going back in the other direction or is it still, you know, when you hang about a group of people that are into fitness, you think everyone's into it. Then you go talk to some new people and they're like, what you work out. That's crazy. Like, is it still just pockets or is it starting to oh. become more of a phenomenon?
3: It's a slow burn, Tyler. It's <laughs> okay. okay slow yeah. Burn. yeah.
0: That's kind of what I was getting at. I'm like, I feel yeah. like this is a tough nut to crack. Like, oh yeah. I, yeah. I agree. But not for me. Like, yeah, you're totally right. But no, no, I, I don't need that. <laughs>
1: And I think part of the slow burn is that people don't fully understand the importance of it. I mean, they think they know it, but they don't really like, They could, okay, I should sleep in a dark room. It should be cold. I should get about eight hours of sleep, but they don't really know the reasons why. And once people understand the why behind it, there is kind of, we do see a bit of a, a, a mental change for them because then they start thinking about, oh, this, you know, maybe I shouldn't just get five hours of sleep and then get up super early to go to the gym maybe that wouldn't be the best decision based on what i know now. So we do see a, a bit of change with that.
0: To understand that half an hour cardio or hour workout and cardio or whatever it is, but minusing sleep actually is completely counterintuitive or or sorry counterproductive to the results you could get. That's so not our society though. Push harder, go more, do more. We've 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 kind of Seeing, celebritize that, you know, the invincible human, superhuman, Superman, superwoman, uh, that culture. And I think we all know friends or certainly I do immediately. I grew up in an environment where like how long you could work without sleeping was kind of this badge of honor. And thinking back, man, it was so dysfunctional. This was an environment where a rural environment grew up on a farm. So operating heavy equipment and all the things that could go wrong, you were in a really good environment for things to go wrong. (laughs) But yet, but that was so ingrained in the culture of kind of get shit done that it's, it kind of supplanted every, everything else.
1: Mm. Right. I'll sleep when I'm dead. <laughs> you snooze, you lose. We've heard, we, yeah. Oh, we heard totally. Like, it is ingrained.
2: <laughs> well, so um, i So. Even, Go ahead, if I, even if I look on, you know, when I got involved with, with Marley and Leah, and they were giving the weekly updates at our, our weekly management meetings, and they were talking about a, a group of people they were working with like true insomniacs, so cognitive cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. And so a group of six people that are have a diagnosis. And each week they would give their updates and they would, you know, show the stats and the improvements and and give the quotes that they they were saying and and the improvements. And I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, is this for real? Like, do people actually wake up feeling rested? I actually didn't know that that was a thing. And I think that that sort of just like you said, that societal, that mentality and you're an executive. And so therefore, that must mean this. That must mean that I have to be available 24-7. If my boss emails me at 11 o'clock at night, I better do the research, find the answer and email him back regardless of whether it's one in the morning or things such as that nature. It was just so ingrained. I just thought that that was just the way that everyone was. If you wanted to achieve this, this is what you had to do. This was sort of the price you paid to achieve these things. And and I felt then like I was a little bit almost like at an AA meeting where I had to put my hand up and I'm like, I think I have a problem. And I had a confession where I'm like, waking up rested is actually a thing. Like, is that really a thing? And both Leah and Marley kind of looked at me and like, yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> you should wake up rested. <laughs> I'm like, really? And One and of the basic perks of
0: being human, right? Kind of like, <laughs> uh, or, or certainly one of them.
2: <laughs> right. And that's when I need, realized that I, I actually needed my own sleep plan and that I need, needed to address my own sleep issues. Um, you know, it was a little bit different for me. I would have anxiety going to bed because it was like, well, what didn't I get done today? Oh, and course. what do I have? And you wake up at more, three in the
0: morning and the, the busy right? brain oh. and the the mental checklist that's going exactly. on. So what I heard you said, and I agree, and I've experienced this much and been been there myself, is this also, to, not to oversimplify, but it sounds a lot about like, it sounds about boundaries. You know, it's, yes, you have to have a plan and we'll kind of talk about what some of those elements are. But what I heard, especially now post COVID with the work remote and you're at home and the computer's always like a couple steps away and the email dinging and the light and, you know, triggering our, what, 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 what is it? Does it start with boundaries? Does it start with like prioritizing and then actually setting very concrete boundaries in place from a strategic perspective?
1: always we always start with our very first sleep tip is is prioritize sleep set those boundaries for yourself make it part of your your day you know there's a reason that it it happens every night we need it if we didn't need it we would have evolved out of it (laughs) it's a very vulnerable state as a human so if it wasn't super important we wouldn't we wouldn't be sleeping anymore so like what you said about the evolution the
0: evolutionary piece you're probably the most vulnerable if we're sleeping out on the savannah if we're gonna go way back that time of sleep was a pretty vulnerable time as a species to be at risk from getting eaten by whatever happens to be hungry and and, but yet exactly. we haven't evolved out of it. I think that's really because if we would have, we would have evolved out of it then. And yeah, arguably, the, a, the, the, the species vulnerable. that slept the most probably actually evolved the most mentally as well. So that's an interesting when you think of the the evolution of it. If you go way back,
1: right? We yeah. would have evolved out of it. We would. It's it's such a vulnerable state to be, and that if it wasn't completely essential for our survival, we wouldn't be doing it. <laughs> and it's so funny
3: because you know why don't we why don't we value it as a society? Well we haven't even studied it as much as we've been doing it since the beginning of time. The research is so far behind. Like we, you know, we haven't studied, you know, why hasn't that evolved out? So we just don't see a ton of research, which means it's not driving all of that public knowledge forward. You know, the research really is just getting into its prime right now. Like we're seeing studies come out now, you know, being funded, Way more often than they were probably the last five years, it's really exploded. So we're just starting to learn. It's just starting to become part of, you know, public conversation and public knowledge. So, which is so funny, you know, it,
0: it, 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 it is, but no different though what I'm really hearing is this is no different than a fitness plan or a nutrition plan, but the key word here is you need a plan. Like I think you're right because I could go, I could go have a nap right now if I wanted, if I wanted to, I probably won't, but you're right. It's I could go work out too, but having a plan and having structure. So when you meet with organizations, I'm curious, you know, Brandon, you talked about your, I think that's a common theme. Probably a lot of people are nodding when you're talking about being in a culture, especially if your bosses or the people you report to have that mindset. You either fit in with the, yes, I'm going to respond 24 seven, which sounds ridiculous, but I, th- I think the world is shifting that way. But our corporations also just like, I think you guys touched on earlier, uh, they're working through their bag of tricks of like, okay, well, we tried this and we have corporate wellness. Okay, well, let's try sleep because maybe that's at the root of it. Are we just kind of in a progression of companies looking for other things that they can kind of grab onto to offer value back to their employees? And ultimately, if they do it right, it's going to yield benefit to them too. But, you know, invest in your employees first and you're going to get more productivity and you're going to get better quality output that isn't tied to just minutes of awake time.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
2: Right, right. We love the organizations that recognize that it's taking care of the people, number one, and the productivity will be the byproduct from helping with stress levels and helping with with sleep. And I think people like Arianna Huffington has done such a great job of, of shining a spotlight on it. Jeff Bezos is, an, is another one where he, you know, is really an advocate for eight hours. He makes better business decisions for eight hours. So, you know, I, I think that there's you know, some people that everyone knows that um, is, are really starting to focus on sleep as being a major priority and that it is the foundation to our health and health and wellness is important. It will be interesting. I think, you know, this sort of post COVID world that we keep talking about and that work life balance and, and what does the work week look like now? And there's a lot of studies coming out saying, well, let's move to three day work weeks and things such as this nature. And so um Is there does this then provide an opportunity to have some of those other conversations and is sleep one of those other conversations that we can have that if we're taking good care of our employees, then yes, some of these productivity pieces and all that will be a byproduct of taking good care of our employees.
3: Mm, yeah sure. and I think those those people like Jeff Bezos and Ariana Huffington and you know I think uh, Google and Apple and those some of those major corporations that are really successful right now, and they're being very public about um, how they're promoting sleep in the workplace and it's sort of allowing. Um, those corporations to go against the grain, to go against that that macho, um, you know, twenty four seven availability. Push yourself, push yourself. It's giving them a solid example to say. Actually, some of the most successful people and companies in the world are telling us that they've done their own research, they've studied their own behavior, and seen that pretty much across the board, everything is improved, and success is improved, and productivity is improved by improving sleep. So, you know, you see those organizations with nap pods and, you know, shutting down their email servers after a certain hour so that they can't communicate. So as hard as it is, you know, to be a forward thinking company um, in the world today, those big companies are allowing them an opportunity to say, like, you know what, let's, let's go against the grain and see what happens. And then they're, they're, they're the leaders. So, so it's sort of, giving permission right now, which is kind of nice.
0: No, permissibility permissibility is huge. And it kind if of, it's good enough for Google or good enough for Apple or Amazon, it's good enough for me. And I think exactly. I I, there's a story I just I listened to you talk. I think the story was Winston Churchill used to take naps in the middle of the afternoon, like during the peak of World War II, when you think that the last thing you would do is take a nap. But and then he worked in all kinds of weird hours, but he would still nap. And I think that's an interesting, like it, it, it's, it's kind of like this new idea, but yet it's not, it's kind of been around. And it's so interesting how we, like you said, need to get permission. So with the companies that you guys deal with, are you, and uh, this is now my marketer business hat on, are you out there pitching the idea going, hey guys, you need to get focused on this? Or are you having companies reach out to you? Because there's always those outliers or those early early adopters, the people that read the Amazon case study and they're like, okay, we need to go find this. So curious in your, as you grow your business uh, coming out of COVID, how much is push? How much is pull? How much are you guys presenting? How much are you getting the eyes rolling? Like, oh, another presentation about sleep versus companies that are like, hey, we're excited about doing something different. Come and help us.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I think it's it, it really is um, industry dependent. So, you know, the, the aviation companies, the, the ground transport companies, you know, things that are mandated by Transport Canada, fatigue risk management systems and things, that they get it. They've been living it. They, they have to for, for a safety perspective. Um, even oil and gas companies, right? Um, however, if we look at, we sort of, like you said, if we, we park those pieces, because I think everybody gets that portion of it in terms of the safety component, but the other organizations that we're working with, it is it is a lot of education on our front. Um, even if you say to people, well, we have sleep therapists. Most people don't know what a sleep therapist is or what they do. And then how does that then provide benefit to that individual and ultimately to the organization? So then you take that, I would say that that's almost step one. And step two is then, okay, well, we, have, we offer corporate sleep programs. Well, now when you say that to someone... They have no idea what that really means and and how are you going to integrate that and how are you going to implement it? And and again, especially most executives, they want to see that ROI. I do believe another positive of COVID was that people were just really concerned about their employees and wanted to provide support. They were seeing the fatigue and the stress show up in a myriad of ways. So whether it be communication breakdown, whether it be a lack of creativity, whether it be sick days increasing, things such as that nature. And so it really was an immediate need in terms of let's help our people. Um, now what we're starting to see is a little bit of a shift where people recognize that let's put COVID in our rear view mirror and let's look at how do we enhance and how do we focus on that performance and the positive pieces. And that's what we've seen in the last little bit, but there's still a tremendous amount of education that has to come from, from our front in um presenting it with the science and with some of those articles and saying, this is what these organizations, these thought leaders um, have really done and, and here's the benefits that they've seen. So there's there is a, a lot of pushing from from RN to use your word, a lot of pushing from RN yeah. to really help educate on what we're offering and what we're doing and what the benefit is to the individual and to the organization.
3: And what we find kind of is that Um, Once we get in front of people, you know, our little pitch has to like, our, our, our conversation with these leaders has to be like, here's a little bit of education. Here's what we do. And here's what we can do for you. And once we get in front of them and have that conversation, they're like, Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, we're having really awesome results. And then a lot of times, what's coming from that is, you know, links from that company and to say, like, Oh, my friend, they want to talk to you. So talk to them. So we're, We are pushing in a way like that we need to get in front of them and and sort of have that conversation to open the doors. But once the doors are open, you know, our the companies that want to work with us, it's pretty, we have a pretty high percentage rate because, you know, once we deliver that little bit of information, even those little teaser snippets to say, you know, this is what, you know, sleep deprivation does to you. This is what, you know, improving your sleep can do. Then they're like, oh, absolutely. You know, I'm in. Um, we, might have
1: expected, we might have expected a little more pushback because we're kind of challenging this identity that they've had as like I don't need sleep. I'm a I'm a superhuman yeah. that can get by in four hours without any problems. We're challenging that with, with education and saying, like, no, your executive functioning is compromised and, and and things like that. Um, and showing them the data, like, okay, what you've believed in for the last 20 years m- might not be as accurate as you as you think. And here are the the ways to to change it and I think people are like kind of ready to not have that identity anymore of, oh, I'll sleep when I'm dead. <laughs> but thank you. Yeah, people. tired. No, well, because it kind of sucks.
0: I'm, t- I'm tired of that identity, literally.
1: Yeah, I'm tired of it. <laughs> I mean, our consults,
3: they're like, we, you know, some, because when we work with organizations, we do provide education, and then oftentimes we're working individually with, people within the organization who are having trouble with sleep. So we have these one-on-one consultations and what we're hearing is like, can you please talk to my husband or can you please talk to my wife? Can you please talk to my family? Like what like they're exhausted and they're done with this, you know, with this struggle, but there's really no outlet to discuss it in a productive way. So when you Mm -hmm. give them the opportunity to really like lay it out and talk about it and you ask them questions about their sleep, they're like I didn't even know I had a problem. Like so many people, they're like, I booked it because it was provided and it was interesting. And then they sit down the consultation. They're like, wow, like I can do this and this. And then they're super excited about these changes that they can make to improve their sleep when they
1: didn't even recognize that there was an issue in the first place. Well, we
0: normalize normalize so much.
1: (laughs) And to your yeah. point about the the plans, having a plan, that's what we do. So we do individualized custom sleep plans for each individual because everybody is so different. So it really helps them, mm. you know, kind of minimize the amount of work that they have to do because they have it right in front of them. Of, Here are the yeah. steps to take.
0: Have, have a plan and then execute. So curious, what, what would be in some of that plan? Like, let's, let's get a little prescriptive here. Cause people are sitting here going, okay, they're going to tell me what to do. Like, you know, you <laughs> listen to for the whole hour and they're like, they never told me how to have a better sleep. So what would be some of the, like just boilerplate, this is standard advice we get to everybody. I do really appreciate and respect that it's personalized, but I have heard and read that there are some certain baselines. Like you mentioned dark room. Like what would you guys, what's on your checklist? Like what are the top three or top five or maybe top 10? Cause I think there's a handful of things you can just do today. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we we try to avoid kind of some of the basic sleep hygiene things, um, just giving giving rules because we find people respond better to reasons than rules. <laughs> so telling someone Fair they point. have to sleep in, right? Telling someone they have to sleep in a dark room, they're like, okay, sure, but I can fall asleep with the light on, so that doesn't apply to me. <laughs> but that comes into sleep quality. So I, I mean, let's talk about a dark room because I find this one's really important. Most people are sleeping in a bedroom that's too bright. Um, if you can put your arm out in front of you and see your hand in your bedroom, that's too much light. And that's going to oh, impact wow. that's, your natural okay, melatonin. Okay, so that's super friction.
0: dark. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. that's powerful. <laughs>
1: so as little as eight lux, which is like very, very minimal light, like a night light or a light from like an electronic can actually cause disruption to our melatonin secretion. And now we have this like widespread um, problem of everybody's taking exogenous melatonin right now, but we can... We can regulate our own melatonin by being in a dark room that's completely dark. You know, it's only been within the last 20 years that we started having a lot of electronics and different lights and things like that in our bedrooms. Yep. You know, phones right next to our heads lighting up in the middle of the night and things like that. Yeah, remember so it, when
3: the cable used to shut off at, like, midnight? Yeah, <laughs> at point, yeah, even yeah, having the TV later. on. It just went to that fuzz screen. So. <laughs>
0: Now we got twenty four seven everything. So hey, uh, talking about dark, if you can't get your room because sometimes, well, hey, we're, some of us are in Alberta. It stays light out until like midnight, right? This time of year, like eleven thirty. So you 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 go in your room and you put all the blinds in do everything, but it's still I can still see my hand. So should I wear an eye mask? Like should I cover my Absolutely. eyes? Is that, is that a way we to are, minimize that?
1: Yeah, we're big proponents of using these. Oh, eye and, she, masks. and she
0: has one as a prop. Everyone, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I do, and I
1: it's keep right on here. My desk.
0: Okay, so that is a that's an easy way to sideswipe the it's fact a, of like I just can't get my windows blocked or you know, whatever the, the physical constraints that I might have.
1: It's a very like cheap investment for improving your sleep quality tremendously. We can be waking up throughout the night without even realizing it. You know, you might not realize that your your phone light had turned on and and that's what caused you to wake up and roll over. So it's fragmenting our sleep without even being aware of it sometimes. So the best way to ensure it is is an eye mask cuz okay. even if the light creeps in around the blackout curtains you have. So we we actually say to get blackout curtains and wear an eye mask.
0: Okay. Well, don't take any yeah. chances if that's, if that's okay. So, and that's so easy. Yeah. That's a $5 so fix easy. or, or yeah. go to that travel and pack that you got that time you flew on whatever airline and just go grab it out of there. It's in there already. That's
3: and that's, it. you know, and, and we live in a world where we travel now, we travel constantly. I mean, right now we're not traveling, but we're moving back. Soon though, soon. We're
0: all, I think we're all anxiously waiting that open right. Door.
3: So, and, and, A mask is something that's so important because it does travel with you. So you can't take your, you can't pack your blackout curtains and everywhere you sleep, you can't guarantee that, you know, you're not going to take time to tag up the garbage bags in your hotel room to make sure you're not, you're not having light. So having that mask is something that travels with you and um, it will give you that dark environment every, anywhere you are. So. It's a just a really solid tool, a really inexpensive way to improve your sleep. And like Marley said, we often don't recognize that it's disrupting our sleep and we think, well, sleep, light doesn't bother me or I need light to sleep, but it, it is affecting the quality of your sleep which is hugely important so even if you're getting seven hours if you're waking up because of you know light in your yeah. room multiple times through the night then your quality is affected
0: there's a difference between being in bed for seven hours and how much sleep you actually got right like totally. no, it's an easy mistake Completely. too I use sleep cycle for my alarm clock and it has, uses the microphone to sense your movement and I'm like oh, I was in bed for seven and a half hours but I only got six hours sleep like what's going on and you can see it going up and down I don't know how accurate it is but it's that external thing that goes yeah I kind of feel shitty and it says I didn't get a good night's sleep I believe, I believe it <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I can decoy- but yeah, like So
3: bedroom environment is a huge aspect of, um, our consultations and, and our sleep plan. So we address that specific environment with, with that person. So what does your bedroom environment look like? What's the temperature? What's the, you know, what's the darkness level? What's the noise level? And then we tweak those things with them, give them ways to improve their environment, um, Easily, And we put that in the plan. So environments, definitely the, the you know, first thing that we would address. And it's oftentimes one that's really undervalued by people. So they're really surprised by how big a difference they feel just by changing their environment uh,
0: relatively day. low and some relatively low cost like a $5 dollars i mask. asked yeah what, what's absolutely. ideal temperatures I've heard I always hear the word cooler sleep in a cooler environment is that well especially now that it's, 30, it's going to be 32 degrees today and I don't know sure what it is in Nova Scotia but especially in Calgary not everyone has air conditioning so probably sleep is getting it's light to 11 o'clock and it's 35 degrees in your bedroom so sleep is probably falling off a cliff right now for people yeah
1: you got it yeah <laughs> so what is so what I is know, ideal
0: I- if I had if I had the perfect thermostat I could adjust it fine-tune it what should I have it at
1: Ideal is 16 to 18.6 degrees Celsius.
0: My wife would never, she'd be like, it's freezing in here. What are you doing? I would get, I would be, I would get on the blacklist for that. I would, absolutely.
3: And that's why <laughs> not keeping your, your house that temperature all the time, but at bedtime, I mean, a lot of people have programmable, yep. um, thermostats. So to say like 10 p.m., the temperature automatically drops to 16. Once you're cozy under your blankets, you can be warm and cozy in your blankets. Pile on those blankets. But the ambient temperature is what lets your body cool so that you can sleep. So keeping that ambient temperature cool but keeping yourself warm enough is so key. And people think, oh, I'd freeze to death. But if you have adequate blankets and everything, it's just having that atmospheric temperature be low enough that it's not causing you to wake up from overheating. Right. isn't and the there something about having
0: it, a heavy a heavy blanket as well like having something on you that makes you feel kind of safe and secure that's I've heard that recently the sleep blanket kind of thing yep
1: yeah. the, the weighted blankets are incredible they actually have a, the science behind it is deep um, deep touch pressure therapy so it's like hmm. getting a hug <laughs> so it releases those, I mean who know, doesn't love a good
0: hug yeah absolutely <laughs> That's
1: right. Good <laughs> hug. put you to sleep um, but yeah the, the warm, um, warm heavy blankets in a cool environment is the best environment and the science behind it is our heads are typically out of the blanket so we can lose a lot of heat through our heads and our body our core temperature has to cool by about two degrees fahrenheit in order to us for us to fall asleep and get into good deep restorative oh, so, wow
0: okay that's, so that's significant when important. it comes to shift in body temperature like two degrees is yeah. a significant number
1: Pretty significant. yeah. we actually, like our body temperature changes with our circadian rhythm. And so when our bedrooms are too warm, it's going to prevent us from falling asleep and getting into that first stage of deep restorative sleep when when our body temperature can't cool. Okay. Like just to give you a tip for what's going on in our weather right now. And if you don't have air conditioning, how can you facilitate the cooling so you can fall asleep? So we, I'm a big advocate for um, a hot shower or a hot bath. 90 minutes before bed. And I know it sounds counterintuitive because you, you think you should take a cold shower, but what that hot shower is going to do is it's going to bring all the blood vessels to the surface of our skin where we can lose a lot of heat and we're, our bodies will be able to go through what's called a thermal dump. So us being able to cool off and that cooling off through our skin after a hot bath can facilitate that that core temperature cooling that will help us fall asleep and stay asleep. And uh, you know, yeah, one yeah, to two it's hours- It's kind of the perfect. last thing
0: you want to do when it's 35 degrees outside is go have a hot It's shower. not easy. Yes. I've always heard that, but I really never understood kind of vascularly what actually was happening. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. yeah and and you know a lot of people tend to prioritize that wake up. You know, we' really focus on a bedtime routine for our children and for our babies, and like that's like <coughs> such a key element of of sleep. And then, like, somehow it just, that just falls by the wayside somewhere during school age. And then we start these elaborate morning routines in order to wake ourselves up instead of these, ne- these bedtime routines that facilitate healthy sleep. So these elaborate morning routines often include a shower when actually the benefit would be much greater if you included that in your bedtime routine and, and sort of beefed up your bedtime. I think is, it, is it
0: Japanese culture where they always bathe and go to the, um, the onsen I think where they have a hot I think they they always bathe before going to bed I was like when I was traveling in Japan I was like oh everyone's going to that's just part of the, part of the routine so just tying it in another layer because just thinking yeah. of a culture where they yep. always bathe they never they never go to bed without bathing which I thought was more just a cleanliness or something and which you might have been but also directly and super, the onsens and the showers they have are super hot so that's yeah, really yeah. interesting kind of fits into that into that dialogue eh. yeah, there's, always, there's so many nuance, nuances that have been true. around for so long that are just part of cultures you don't necessarily realize the why but somebody yep. somewhere was, well, we're going to do this because it makes this better. And anecdotally, they just they just knew things inherently.
3: <laughs> right. And similar you know, to the siesta, when those things disappear, then we then see repercussions and don't really understand where they're coming from. But a lot of times those things, that that's the reason. So if that <laughs> cultural aspect of, you know, if it is Japanese culture and that disappeared, what would that mean for... Um, their health and their quality the of fact. sleep like would the, would you see that big change like <laughs> that they did in in those countries that eliminated the the siesta
0: interesting so let's talk about the, the culprit i'm holding up my iphone right now oh yeah <laughs> um, so this is probably the hardest one okay i'll cool my room okay i'll get an eye mask don't look at my phone before bed. What? Don't have it beside me at all times. What? Like, I don't know. I feel that this is the real, this is the, this is the junkie. Like this is the crack right here. I'm holding in my hand. Is it true that looking at that phone and looking at that blue light or, or the type of light it is actually is as detrimental as I've heard? Like, I think we've all heard that somewhere or read it. And then we pretend we didn't hear it and pick up our phones.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it is. It's actually okay. the, the blue light from the screen. So okay. um, any of the LED screens that emit blue light. So blue light kind of mimics sunlight. And similar to us having to be in a very dark room for melatonin to be produced, blue light is coming in through our eyes, it goes to our pineal gland, and it says, don't create melatonin. It is daylight. So even if you're laying in your dark bedroom, but you have your phone three inches from your face, <laughs> that it's still sen- sending a signal to your brain saying, it's morning, it's daylight, don't get sleepy, don't fall asleep. And if you are exhausted, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I can put my phone down and fall right asleep. You might have a good enough sleep debt that you can fall asleep after looking at your phone. It's not necessarily going to keep you awake. But what it will do is delay your first stage of stage three sleep, which is our deep restorative sleep where we get physically repaired on a cellular level. It's when human growth hormone is released. All our hormones are balanced. So that particular stage is really um, affected by our deeps or by blue light and by the by um, by screens. I think that we were looking at a stat um, yesterday that said if you're on your screens for six and a half hours per day, it's it can delay your deep sleep by up to three hours. And shift your circadian rhythm as a result of that. So when your
3: melatonin is delayed, then that those onsets of the sleep cycle are also delayed, which means that, you know, that you have a circadian shift that comes with that. And that's just, I think for every 6.5 hours spent on a device, it's pushed back by three hours. So if you think about children who are now going to school on their iPads and then doing their recreation time on their iPads and adults who are now working on their computers who weren't before, or you know, spending more time on their computers and and meetings and that kind of thing. Six and a half hours is is not unreason, you know. It,
0: no, that sounds. There was a time that that was a big critical. scary number, but I think that's probably almost standard fare right now for yeah, most I'd people, the, especially knowledge workers. Lower, and yeah, yeah,
3: wow. on the lower end, really. When you, when it, I mean, especially now with with working from home. So so that delay, yeah. You like Marley said, you can fall asleep, but. You know the quality of your sleep and the whole architecture of your sleep is going to be affected, whether or not you know it or think that you feel it subjectively. um, It's still ha- the science is saying that that that's still happening.
0: That that that, that chemical process that you want to and I've read that like different hours of sleep have different cycles of what the body does. So that really impacts that first kind of segment of sleep, which sounds like it's yeah. critically important. You I mentioned think it's melatonin. Conscious. So, so, okay. You mentioned yeah. melatonin and you, I know so many people oh, I take melatonin versus you're allowing your body to produce it. Is there a positive there? Are we doing anything negative to ourselves by creating environments where our body suppresses ser- ser- melatonin release, but yeah, Oh, don't worry. I'm going to pop a couple of pills. Uh, Sorry, that sounded negative. It, it feels like this is something we should be able to do naturally, but we're setting ourselves up to not. Then it drives us to this expensive, like realm of like a, a pill to solve my problems. You know, the, the supplements are the answer yeah. to everything, which I know there's a mixed. There's lots of mixed research on that one. <laughs>
1: Mm -hmm. I love to talk about melatonin. (laughs) You were both nodding
0: (laughs) and smiling. I'm like, okay, all right, this feels like it's a juicy topic.
1: So melatonin is is actually a really interesting hormone. So melatonin is called, um, its nickname is the hormone of darkness. A lot of people that are taking, Mm -hmm. um, uh, melatonin from a pharmacy have no idea that it's actually an artificial hormone that they're taking. Oddly enough, you can't buy any other hormones over the counter like that in Canada. And in 1995, um, Melatonin was sold as an over-the-counter medication. In 1995, it was banned in Canada as an over-the-counter medication because there aren't any um, other other hormones that you can buy like that. So they said, okay, it's a hormone. We can't we can't sell it like this. There's not enough um, quality control. There's not enough um, like the FDA doesn't regulate it as much. So they they banned it. Shortly after that, people realized there's still a market for this. So, it, because melatonin can be found in very very small amount, in small amounts in some foods like tart cherries and things like that, they've sold it as a dietary supplement. So, even less regulated than an over-the-counter medication. So, the problem with melatonin in Canada is the quality of it. The quality, it there's no quality control for it because it's not regulated by the FDA or anybody. So what we've encountered, and there was a great study done in Ontario on this, and they reviewed 31 different brands of melatonin from just a regular pharmacy. And there was anywhere from a fraction of what the label said to 469% of what the label said as, as well of content of melatonin in the bottle. So there is a big um, quality control issue. There was gummies that were marketed for kids, melatonin gummies. And in those, the quality of melatonin was so poor, there was even some chemical degradation and that ended up with having serotonin in it. So serotonin is a neurotransmitter. You also cannot buy that over the counter. So there has been some issues with that. Um, since the pandemic, the poison poison control has reported a 70% increase in um, calls for melatonin overdoses. Wow.
0: Wow. I had, yeah. wow. I had no idea. Well, sorry. He's blew my mind with like, it's something that is so casually talked about. I just had a conversation the other day with a good friend of mine. Who's got, uh, to three kids under ten, and they use melatonin gummies, and they're like, "Oh, are we creating this habit? And what are we doing?" And it was a big conversation around: more, are we teaching them that they need a pill to fall asleep? And what are the long term implications of yeah. creating that kind of psychological, uh, you know, kind of triggering and I, and system? I,
3: I think what drove the the banning of melatonin back in the '90s there was all this. I mean, melatonin was really only isolated in I think 1958, as you know, and really studied and understood to an extent. So they started mm-hmm. doing research, and they found that there was was reproductive implications with melatonin Um, and there's they they, I don't think still fully understand um, how melatonin interacts in the body and exactly what it does other than as its part in our in our circadian rhythm so there was preliminary research to show that it could potentially be a contraceptive option but you know, it's really difficult to find access to those studies, you can see sort of like this preliminary research, and that kind of disappears. And then we see melatonin come on the market as a dietary supplement. So it's very and interesting.
1: The funny thing about melatonin is it's in sleep medicine it's not even considered a sleeping aid. So mm-hmm. people take it as a sleeping aid, but really what melatonin does is it resets our our circadian rhythm. So it's great for shift workers or jet lag right. if you have to shift your your rhythm, but it's got very minimal evidence that it actually helps us fall asleep. Most of the studies show somewhere between f- it increases your ability to fall asleep by about 4 to 12 minutes, yeah. which is pretty clinically insignificant. <laughs>
0: Interesting. Um, but it's yeah, so, I, I think it's a bigger commentary a little bit, maybe on our society. And I'm going down a whole different road now. Yeah. I'm not going to make my room dark. I'm not going to wear an eye mask. I'm not going to do all these things. But man, if I can take a pill to solve this problem, I will definitely oh, do that.
3: That's the and mentality the, we Yeah. And been.
0: that's a whole other podcast right there. <laughs> yeah.
3: And yeah. I think that, I think what, what the research often, what we see is like, it's not showing that it's helping, but like they haven't quite seen. Um, negative effects yet. They haven't studied it enough to see the real detrimental effects yet. You know, similar to all those products, we see new products come on the market. Everybody goes crazy and they're like, oh, oh, back it up, back it up. It's not good. Uh, We haven't gotten there with melatonin yet. There just isn't a ton of research. So they're saying, yeah, it's safe to take it use it as a sleep aid, it's almost a bit of a placebo or a bit of a a band-aid they can offer. So, you know, physicians are being deterred from prescribing sleeping pills because of the harmful nature of sleeping pills. So it's like, well, melatonin, people seem to, it's a buzzword, people seem to be wanting to use it, everybody's asking about it. There's no research to say it's dangerous, especially when compared to sleeping pills. So sure, that's a good option yeah. if that helps you.
0: Ugh, the lesser of the evil kind of storyline yeah. is still risky though right Absolutely. cuz we just yeah. don't know the bad but yeah. Yeah, if we don't know, oh, no, really don't hurting no, no, you, yeah. maybe it's not working. Is there any other supplements that like calcium, magnesium, was it glycine I read the other day? Like is there anything else that you guys do recommend? Like I and I do appreciate like let's get the foundation in place for kind of like healthy eating and wellness It kind of fits into those categories. Let's get the basics right before we worry about this the kind of nutrient chasing that our society is addicted to. Is is there anything that you guys do recommend or if not to that's yeah, I'm curious because there's a lot of uh, witch's witches brews out there, maybe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: There there are I mean, and we get a lot of questions about supplements. Generally um we don't usually advise for supplements. And just to kind of circle back to the, the melatonin, if you're taking melatonin um tablets, they come in like one, three, five, and thirty milligrams, our brain produces about 0.3. So but we should okay. be aware so
0: of how you much we Interpret taking. that as you will. Yeah,
1: right. Yeah, exactly. So sometimes we will um, talk about magnesium for people with nighttime leg cramps or restless leg syndrome. Okay. Uh, a lot of people that experience that restless legs also have an iron deficiency. So in that case, we don't necessarily say take iron. It's more go get your iron checked and talk to your physician about your iron okay. levels because yeah. that is a is a problem. So low iron or low B12 can cause restless leg syndrome. But and yeah, there's you no... Know, leg-
0: <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. We
3: generally say um, natural sleep is best. So, you know, fix your environment, fix your behavior, and then see where where your baseline is. So in order to get your baseline, yeah, people always kind of want a quick fix. But ultimately, it's it comes down to our behavior. So we prefer to say you know check check your levels like marley said see where you're at because those things can affect your sleep or your ability to fall asleep because if you're having pain from leg cramps that's going to inhibit your sleep but ultimately natural sleep is the best you know our bodies are are designed to sleep in a certain way with a certain architecture that isn't chemically altered by anything so you know the least amount of intervention is always the best
0: well, you get into leg cramps and things like that. Now you're also getting into a nutrition conversation, right? These are electrolyte imbalances: yeah. calcium, magnesium, sodium. Your body, so your nervous system is reacting. Uh, uh, hey, guys, it's all joined together. It's all part yeah. of it's all part of the same journey.
1: Yeah, no, I right. appreciate
0: any other, um, you know, before we kind of, kind of get back to the, 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 the real world of putting this into play, um, at, at, at corporations and the benefits they can, they can uh, receive any other tips, any other last, like, Hey, maybe cause everyone, all these ones so far, I'm not minimizing it. They're ones that are kind of out there. So it's good to reiterate right. and hear them. Is there anything that you guys have seen that's really beneficial that maybe isn't quite as, as on the, on the mainstream top five tips list? Mm-hmm.
1: So I would say the most common non-sleep disorder complaint that we get, especially from individuals in these corporations, is I can't shut my brain off at night. Yeah. So, <laughs> again, going back to more reasons than yes, rules. rolling my hand up.
0: Yes, absolutely. I, I, <laughs> right? I, 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 I resemble that remark.
1: <laughs> so it, it's very common and it goes back to that um, reasons over rules. So that's the importance of the bedtime routine it really does not just prepare our bodies for a good night's sleep but it prepares our brains as well and then a part of that that we teach because everyone is in a state of kind of fight or flight for you know 18 hours a day right now we do teach relaxation techniques which are just simple breathing techniques for the most part we do some progressive muscle relaxation and some other things like that i mean those are those are free and easy to do and you don't need any tools um, to do them. And they do work as far as like lowering brain activity and, um, eliciting that relaxation response or that rest and digest parasympathetic response to help you fall asleep. So
0: getting you into more, getting out of the fight or flight and getting into the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and, And
3: to go back to technology, you know, we're not saying, you know, don't use your phone. It's unrealistic, but the longer period of time before you go to sleep that you can give yourself that break, the better, the more time your body has to start making melatonin. So if you can incorporate some relaxation before bed, after you cut off your phone, get into that relaxation space, maybe it's just stretching, or you know the foam rollers that you have now or yoga whatever your thing is you know meditation lots of people are meditating now any kind of relaxation doesn't have to be a specific type it's whatever works for you whatever your personal way to relax is whatever's going to get you into that mindset of like preparing for bed Find that and and stick with it, stick with it, keep it as a part of your regular routine. And that will help trigger your brain and you you get this sort of association effect where your brain goes, ah, I'm doing that thing that I do before I go to sleep, Um, getting ready for sleep, and your brain's going, okay, we're gonna go to bed soon. And then you're ready for sleep when you get there instead of go, 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 go before and then put your phone down and hop into bed and, and expect your body to just shut down. Yeah, even if it's, you know, 10 or 15 minutes, it, it can be a very short period of time to get yourself out of one zone and into another. But that differentiation, that clear defining um, transition is so important uh, for our
0: ability to fall And I would asleep. say more now that our lives, you know, with the just work from home, it yeah. just blurs together like the work-life balance <clears throat> and all those kind of almost... untenable terms right now i love what you said about it It doesn't have to be some elaborate thing it can be five or ten minutes it can be whatever works for you there is no right answer but it's something that creates a trigger for you to go oh this means it's bedtime so therefore i will now hormonally prepare for it mentally and physically that's That's what there's a lot of there's a lot of power some people resist against routines but they they can be very freeing when done even in small little bites (laughs) yeah
2: well, one of the the terms that, you know, has come up a lot, um, you know, since COVID is revenge, bedtime, procrastination. Mm-hmm. And so it's just recognizing that that's what you're doing. Right. Yeah, so God. if I'm trying to steal some of me time back and I'm trying to, you know, get some control in, in my day and in my life that I'm going to sit here and and how I do that, then is that I'm going to scroll Instagram for two hours straight or watch yeah. another episode of Netflix or whatever. And and that's and then ultimately that's you're stealing from your bedtime. You're stealing yeah. from turning the brain off and having that association, you know, to actually make that switch. But I think that that's to where we are a little bit different. You know, knowledge is no longer scarce. People can go and Google this and, and get some of these tips and things such as that nature. But it's really helping people identify, you know, educate, back it with science and connect those dots for them, understanding the why behind it. So even something as simple as make your room dark Well, we're connecting those dots of, well, that is, you know, that is linked to your melatonin production. Do you understand that this is, and I think when people really understand that why behind it, that really helps them then go, okay, well, that's why that's important to me. That's why I need to do that. Not
0: this set of rules to abide
2: by, right? So The interesting thing with sleep,
0: you can feel the benefits pretty quickly like oh, get it, let's be honest, we've, we've all started <laughs> you can thank you i set you up that was a perfect setup literally overnight these are overnight results it. <laughs> that well, well done that was you know it's a good rhythm we got a good thing going that's nice that was perfect <laughs> didn't even realize i was teeing up the ball like that um you know you start a fitness routine you start eating right like you don't feel better immediately you don't see the no. inches immediately you feel this overnight that was i just feel like i could just <laughs> drop the mic and that was done right there <laughs> <laughs> <You never did. laughs>
3: um tyler i think one really good thing and a really useful thing. That everybody kind of needs to hear right now, just because of of how prominent insomnia is right now, and because of COVID, insomnia rates have like exponentially increased. Um, is something called stimulus control, and it's a cognitive mm-hmm. behavioral therapy technique. And basically, um, the foundation of that is you know when you are laying in bed, and we do have a busy brain like that. Uh, we lay there and we stress and we toss and we turn and some people will say it takes me hours to fall asleep and they've sort of just accepted that as as you know what happens but one really important thing and something that you know we do with anyone who has symptoms of of insomnia or who struggles with insomnia is to say if you're laying in your bed for more than 20 minutes to a half an hour get out of bed remove yourself from your bed take yourself somewhere in a dark dimly lit room Stay there until you feel tired again and then go try again. Because what Uh, happens is similar to an association effect that happens, your bed can then become an association with stressful thoughts and tossing and turning. So then it then becomes perpetuated each night when you lay back down and you're like, oh, I'm not going to be able to fall asleep again. The bed bed becomes a trigger.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Your bed
3: becomes a trigger for insomnia and then that then solidifies it. And what, what could have been a poor night's sleep then becomes a year or multi-year struggle and ends up with people getting on sleeping pills and things and you know creating this entire anxiety around bedtime and around sleep and just you know resigning themselves to the fact that they don't sleep anymore um when it's really what it is is just a really strong association with that wakefulness so um that's a really important thing now for people if they're struggling with sleep don't lay in bed for multi, you know, long periods of time. Or don't stressing. don't get
0: up. Go to the other room and pick up your phone. Either, which is like, right, what am I exactly. going to do in this dimly lit room? Well, I'm going to watch TV. I'm going to look at my phone. Yeah, yeah, do yeah. Don't
3: turn the TV on. No lights. Do something boring that makes you want to go back to bed. Maybe,
0: and maybe just meditate. Go back maybe breathe. Maybe just yeah, yeah like just.
1: Right. My personal strategy was to leave a basket of unfolded laundry in my room. So if I couldn't fall asleep, I'd have to get up, fold laundry. And I swear, my body got to the point where it was like, you know what? You don't want to do laundry. Just yeah,
0: eat. it becomes That's a super. <simple> Love it though. Find, find what works for you. That's that, that's awesome.
3: <laughs> that's
1: right. Yeah, <laughs> something that you
3: don't want to do that is boring, dimly lit can be done, and you know, and then use that as a threat for yourself.
0: But yeah, don't 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 leave wrapped presents around because like I want to get up and unwrap this present. Like make, yeah. make it something yeah. boring. I like that. That's interesting. Boring. Well, it sounds so simple, but I in no way want to minimize it because I think even just listening. I've always had sleep as a priority in the like probably the last five years. Kind of once I grew, once I got out of where I grew up and realized like, oh hey, I don't think this is a good plan, and started to doing a lot of research and reading. But oh man, I've let you let habits creep in. That phone creeps in. The room is not as dark as it could be. Uh, Even it's not as cool. Like just listening to you guys talk, I got a little checklist of even things that I could. I can do. And my sleep hasn't been awesome lately. And I was like, is it the heat or I'm in bed, but yet I'm not sleeping. I'm seeing that my, my just using that app that I use, um, it's not quality and I feel it like you do start to get to a point. That's <laughs> yeah. what I love about do. What do you guys think about using something? And and this, just to be clear, my phone is away from me face down with airplane mode on. So I just used it because I kind of use it as my alarm clock. Awesome. And now I'm feeling like I'm defending myself for using, having my phone in my bedroom, <laughs> I'm feeling guilty all of a sudden. But I found that once I started to see the time and how I felt, I got a lot better at going, Oh wow. When I got seven hours, I felt better. Like I yeah. started to correlate cause and yep. effect. And before that it was kind of like, ah, a shitty night sleeper or I feel good. I, I didn't have any, I, I was missing that little bit of metric for my, my brain to believe it, I guess. Mm. Yeah.
3: yeah. I was a poor sleeper my entire life, really up until four or five years ago when I, you know, Marley and I started trying to troubleshooting. I just, I identified myself as a bad sleeper and I said that was it. And, and mm-hmm. it took me a while to sort of adopt new behaviors. And I am a shift worker. I still do work shift work part-time. Um, so that comes with a whole other slew of issues, but you know, just the recognizing what my sleep need was and, and starting to prioritize it and seeing how I felt even as a shift worker with all of, you know, with the constant sleep deprivation, just by prioritizing getting enough sleep, even if it is, you know, at off times, um, made such a huge difference for me in how I felt, especially with my anxiety, like mental health wise and like feeling you know, Mm -hmm. feeling in control and feeling emotionally stable, you know, like feeling better. um, That was a motivator for me. So as soon as you make that little, like you said, make that little change and you feel a little bit better, it's like, hmm, there's something to that. (laughs) And then it's that sort of motivates, it drives you forward. So I'm still all the time you know, taking new things and putting them in and trying to make it better, um, because it's, I'm motivated to, because I understand the difference and I feel the difference between, you know, functioning, sleep deprived and functioning well
0: rested. That level of awareness of catching those little things makes a huge difference. Yeah, Yeah.
1: And most people aren't doing that. And that's probably one of the problems is most people aren't associating to their poor sleep to feeling bad in the daytime. Yeah. So well, yeah, you need
0: know. make it the villain. Like make, make it make it part of the like could it be that I'm not getting enough sleep? Yes. I'm hearing yeah, it actually. Hearing your boss is it's, really it's actually cranky. probably that.
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, when you, we it's always say we kinda make jokes with our with our corporate clients, like when your boat when your boss is, you know, really cranky and really going at you, really giving it to you, he's probably just really sleep deprived. He's feeling yeah. a little emotionally unstable, he's feeling he a little cut into his sleep. A hug. So, you know, understanding that those those things are very much linked. Your mood and your the way you react, the way you interact with people, your communication style—all of those things are very much um, affected by the amount of sleep that you go into work with or the amount of sleep that you get at night. So even just recognizing that to say it gives us a little bit more empathy as well, and that you know that that's kind of where we see with our corporate clients, like the staff dynamics as well. Like that can really change your communication. Like they're they're not just like oh this guy's a real jerk. Like, Oh, this guy's got a sleep disorder. He's got some problems. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting when you, when you understand the, the science behind it, what, how it changes your perspective.
0: Hmm. I like what you said about empathy, transparency, like, hey guys, sorry, I'm a little off today. New puppy was up a lot last night. Hey, cool. No problem. I get it. You know, like just this. And I think as we, as our world becomes more transparent and a little, we drop the superhuman, yeah. super man, whatever it may be. And being a little bit more human. It's so funny. Someone said something to me the other day and he said, you know, we wait till we have trust and then we're vulnerable. But the second we're vulnerable, it immediately creates trust. And I thought it was just, just such an interesting thing Like, hey, I had a really shitty night's sleep. Like I'm not my best today. Yeah. Sorry. Like, oh, whoa, permissibility. I, we're cool. Don't worry about it and it just changes the whole yeah. dy- that changes the dynamic immediately. But that, yeah, yeah. Th- those are interesting back to the good old base of the pyramid. It always comes around with trust. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'm a, cool. I'm a
0: corporate, I'm a corporate manager. I'm someone who's got an organization where we're looking, which I think a lot of them are right now. How do we invest in our people? How do we give back? How do we create a more balance and support the fact that you know the world is still yet to be determined. I think until we get back to September, October, people don't know if I am going back to the office. Am I not? Is it two days? Is it three days? How would I engage with you guys? To is does this start with like? Is it a lunch and learn? Is it a workshop? Is it a kind of an assessment? What what would be the first step?
2: Yeah, generally for our corporate clients, it is an, an educational presentation, right? So really talking about that why, bringing in the case studies, we'll make it specific to that industry. And um, most organizations as well, are breaking it into two phases. We'll work with the leadership team first. Um, We really are huge proponents in, you know, those leaders driving it, leading by example, so we'll work with them, and then they can pick and choose which portions of those presentations that they really want to curtail for their staff, and and really focus on. Maybe they have some people that are on call, and so they do get that anticipation stress that that impacts their sleep and things such as that nature. Or maybe they have shift workers, or you know work extra long shifts because of that's just you know they're in oil and gas and they have to be on call things such as that nature. So we'll work with the leadership team. We'll. Also do then um, pre-screening and do one-on-one sessions. So the pre-screening is really to identify anyone who has chronic or complex issues, sleep issues, or they're on the path to creating those chronic or complex issues. We have implemented corporate clients that have had 100% of the people that have those markers. Um, All of the staff, I mean, it was a smaller organization, but... They were in the HR world and they were going through rounds and rounds of layoffs during COVID. And so unfortunately, that staff was really, really stressed out. And so helping work with their specific needs on that front. But yeah, we'll work with the leadership team, do those pre-assessments, do the one-on-ones with the the, um, individual plans, the sleep plans for them. And then we'll also do a lot of, um, a myriad of, of ways to help within the engagement and the communication. So that could be anything from corporate challenges to, you know, trivia nights, things such as that nature, just to really make it fun and really kind of reiterate what they've heard. So we have some of these things we had heard over and over again, but it, you know, it's no different than, than leadership. You kind of never arrive. I, health and wellness to me is, is one of those things as well, right? We're constantly learning. And so we'll implement those. So, um, you know, and, and that's really what it is, right? So a, a full corporate package and easiest way to get a hold of us is just on our website, right? So sleepcultureco.com they can email any of us. So myself, Brandy at sleepcultureco.com and, and just have a conversation to see what their needs are. Is it, are they looking for a performance angle? Are they looking for that, that differentiator? Do they, are they identifying and recognizing that perhaps some of the things that they're seeing, either intercommunication between their, their team members or the leadership team, is it maybe a, a stress issue that's impacted by sleep and vice versa, right? That bi-directional relationship that exists between stress and sleep. So I'm um, really finding out what their needs are and, and where they're really struggling and where we can help support them.
0: And are you guys, I'm assuming everything is virtual? Yep. Correct. Yeah. It's beauty. If you guys are in Nova Nova Nova, Nova Scotia, you guys are in Calgary, you guys are in Halifax. It's just, you might as well be down the street. I I, I do. I do love COVID how it's broken down some barriers in terms of accessibility.
3: We work with a lot of companies across Canada. You know, we've worked with um, businesses and organizations in, uh, you know, other provinces out West and we've worked with, you know, in Ontario and out East. So we, um, the, the virtual nature of COVID has really actually helped us a lot. It's really given us access to a larger market and, and given people access to our services. So, and it actually makes it really convenient, you know, instead of going in for an appointment somewhere, you know, these one-on-one consults are so easy. People can, people do them on their lunch breaks or during, you know, a lot of our, uh, organizations say, you know, do it during, during work time. This is a work initiative. Um, so they allow them that time to, to have that appointment and um that that access to it and the ease of that of being able to just hop on I mean we all have a little bit of zoom fatigue going on now I think but um people still you know I, I think it's just the opportunity to talk about a struggle that they didn't even realize they were having or you know that they they needed help with and and having someone you know listen to and and give them concrete suggestions is is really beneficial so it, even though there's a little bit of zoom fatigue I think the convenience of it is really um people really appreciate that
0: I can only imagine from your guys' perspective how rewarding it is because this is something that, like, immediate results, over overnight, So yeah. I'm using the joke, overnight overnight results, like, you can change a couple very small things and see an immediate impact. So as anyone who's done coaching or support or just helped somebody else accomplish something, results speak for themselves. <laughs> it's very rewarding for all parties involved.
1: <laughs> it's the reason I fell in love with sleep and sleep as even a practice because I, well, I mean, Leah and I are both healthcare people and we got into healthcare to help people we worked in the hospital and sometimes when you're working in the hospital you don't get to see people get better sometimes you get to right. see people leave the hospital but you don't get to see them thriving in their life and with sleep like i was seeing people change their life like they were and i know that sounds dramatic but they were getting the quality of their life back they had energy to play with their grandkids and they had you know a, a better mood they they were getting along with their family members and their coworkers better and you know, that's quality of life is what life's all about. So it was just so rewarding to to see like, oh, we're making a difference. This is making a big difference in people's lives rather than like, you know,
0: try this medication. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. And, and, re, and, relati- and relatively, and relatively quickly. Well, ladies, yeah. I've really enjoyed our chat. Thanks for being so like, let's get in the weeds and let's, cause you guys are sleep geeks, which I love it. You're like, we got, we got, <laughs> yeah. we nerded out a little bit. It was awesome. I yeah. love the melatonin story. That was the one I was like, Oh wow. That's, that's kind of scary that actually this is so loose in the world of dietary supplements as a whole. Another mm-hmm. we're literally uh, anyways. Yeah. That's another topic about just pick, pick the Avenue and be scared about the stuff that's getting put in what you buy, but do your research, try your other things first I really uh, I, pre- I appreciate you guys made it very approachable but also gave some information on the melatonin thing I'm going to go do a little bit of digging I'm going to talk to a few of my friends that are giving them to their kids and be like hey I got a podcast you might want to check out <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah.
0: but best of luck with the business so let's just double confirm so www.sleepcultureco.com you guys get a great website with lots sure. of information so go check it out and I would encourage anybody to, to reach out and have a conversation I really enjoyed it I, I learned a lot it was super informative and and kudos to you guys for starting a business during COVID making it happen, stepping out, stepping well out of all of your comfort zones, I imagine, because starting a business is that no matter what it is. And uh, good luck to all of you. I'm really glad I had you on. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Tyler.